0: Good evening and welcome to Phantoms of Monsters Personal Reports, where I narrate some of the more recent and past scripted and unexplained sightings and encounters submitted to Phantoms and Monsters. Uh, I'll also detail some current and past investigations as, occasionally as well, so thanks for joining me. A, the uh, Phantoms of Monsters radio channel is made possible by you uh, liking and uh, clicking the subscribe button. Button and uh, by sharing our programming, super chat and super thanks donations are appreciated, and the um, buy me a coffee link and banner are also shown below. So, thanks for your consideration. So we're going to start here with um, <clears throat> an interesting one. This was I got this back in. Well, yeah, it wasn't even about a month ago, but um, an, an Orlando, Florida man. I was driving home and encountered what he said was a truck-sized flying bat near the Orange County Jail. He described it as a 10-plus foot long and with massive membrane wings and, interestingly enough, a gorilla-like face. So, um, he he told me, he said, early morning around 4.30 a.m. on Sunday, April 3rd, 2022. I was on my way to work at Tires Plus in Orlando, Florida. The route I drove every day was on a large, mostly busy street called John Young Parkway. About halfway through my drive, I always drive underneath an overpass for the I-4. And immediately after the overpass on my left side is the Orange County Corrections Department. Uh... John Young Parkway is normally very busy uh, during the day, but since it was early Sunday, I barely mm-hmm. saw anyone on the road. So, uh, he said, being it a warm day, warm April morning, I had my uh, window rolled down and I was listening to uh, an audiobook, and just before I got to the I 4 overpass, I started hearing a very loud flapping noise. Said it sounded like one of those enormous American flags that fly outside of big car dealerships. When I first heard it, I thought it was maybe a truck with a flat tire driving on the I4, but as I got closer, it kept getting louder, and my car started shaking. And he says that he, he drives a mid size SUV. As soon as I began going under the overpass, I see something in the quarter mile to my left. And when I look to turn out my look turn to look out my window, I see a monster-sized bat flying next to me under the overpass for I four on a busy Orlando street. I realized that is probably the most obscure place something like this could be in, and it's a very unbelievable story. But that's the reason I will not even be able to tell a handful of people. Now, this bat was larger than a truck. It had light brown fur. The body looked at least 10 foot long, and its wingspan could have been twice that. Its face didn't necessarily look like a regular bat face. It had a flat snub nose like a vampire bat. But looked like a gorilla or almost manlike, except for the two large fangs <clears throat> hanging from the top of its mouth. Now, the fangs were only about six inches long, and they curved out a little kind of like a tusk. It was flying almost 20 foot away from me, but it never looked at me or acknowledged me. Um uh, each time it flapped its wings, it made the loudest noise I've ever heard and shook my car violently. While it was next to me, it looked like it was struggling to fly, like it was too heavy to keep itself airborne. Now, when its wings were up, I could see the veins and cartilage through the membrane portion of its wings. Its legs were long and skinny, covered with the same light brown fur as its body, and its feet had long toes with claws on each end. I don't know how many toes it had. I never thought to count. It had a uh, thin tail, a four-foot long, and a patch of darker black fur on the end, almost like a cow's tail. Now, after uh, we got it from under the underpass, it shot straight upward and started flying higher and higher until it was almost out of sight. It turned left and flew along the I-4. At this point, I had already rolled my window up and pulled to the side of the road. I started dialing nine one one, but I stopped myself and tried to think. I knew I wasn't tired or half asleep. I, I don't take any drug prescriptions or recreational, and I don't drink. I just don't know what to t- what to tell the police or anybody. So I knew nobody would believe or think I was drunk or intoxicated. And if the police did come, I didn't know what they would you know c- would do or what they could do. Uh, I was shaken for the entire day. The first person I was told I told was my fiance, although she was considerate about how I felt. Uh, I don't think she believes any of it or at least thinks I was seeing things. I had also told my younger brother the next day because he had always been a firm believer in cryptids and anything supernatural. Uh, He told me it sounded like I might have seen an aul. I had never heard of an A.U. before, but after he told me about I looked online as to what was the description, and it matched. It's almost exactly what I saw. I have never been a believer of Bigfoot, Mothman, or anything of that nature. I had always thought that something that big living in the area would be discovered and documented easily. But after seeing a truck-sized bat flying under a busy interstate in the middle of Orlando, I believe any if any of it can be real. I'm doubtful that anyone will ever actually believe me on this story. Uh, I wouldn't even believe myself if somebody told me, but I had to be at least—I had to at least try to tell someone. I don't want to sound dramatic, but that morning changed my life and it changed how I see the world. Now, actually, the is a um, is a winged bat-like cryptid that has been described fairly similar to what he he states. Uh, I think the sightings, for the most part, have been in the jungles, uh, mostly in Central and South America. Uh, Don't quote me on that, but I have had maybe one or two uh, sighting reports over the time, so uh, I don't know what he saw. But uh, it's pretty interesting. And quite frankly, if this was a winged humanoid of some type, it's probably bigger than any of the ones that we've had before. So um, I don't know. I don't know what he saw, but it's interesting. So um and and just by the way he presented it to me and and, and you know, I, I think he was telling the truth. I think he actually saw something. So um again, if you um if you have questions about this and you know wanna ask me. Feel free to do so, Um, or we can just wait till the end of uh, the end of the presentation. So um, the next one I have here, the um, the person wrote in stated uh, regarding one of your mantis stories. I thought I thought I would share my tale. Now this, I tell you this got this uh report got a, generated a lot of interest from a lot of people within UFO community I got a lot of inquiries about this and apparently the individual who uh, who are involved is a real person I have tried to contact them without much uh success but uh and I'm not going to name them but uh they um they are real and they are who they say they are. Uh, years ago, my wife and I were at a conference, if I remember correctly, and talked to a well-known UFO researcher named G.W. He is known as a physicist. G.W. told us the following story. He was attending a discussion of some kind concerning UFOs. It took place in a building where the rows of chairs were close and tightly packed. He was in the audience listening to the presentation. He noticed a family of three sitting in front of him, a father, mother, and a child. Now, during the lecture, the presenter was discussing possible UFO propulsion systems and was discussing how a UFO traveling in atmosphere might use a ramjet design to assist during flight. The child of the family leaned over to his mother and started to say, but that's how our ship runs. The mother quickly shushed the child, but not before GW had heard what was said. Now, after the presentation concluded, everyone was leaving. GW managed to locate the woman by herself and discreetly asked her about what he had heard. She was friendly and verified that she and her family were not native to Earth. He was excited and started to ask questions, but she didn't want to go into detail But did admit that her appearance was not what she really looked like. Uh, He asked her to show him the truth. He described what she very slow, that she very slowly lowered her cloaking device to show her real form. He described her as a praying mantis insectoid type alien, only he saw it. No one else in the area did. He said that she was amused that he didn't react to her form. He had more questions, but she declined to answer and then left. Uh, I don't think this story was published anywhere because he told it to us in person. Maybe you could locate him and ask him for a more detailed account. Keep up the great work. Uh, I never knew so much of this happened. I'm always looking behind me when walking in the woods now. And, uh, yeah, GW is actually a physicist and a UFO researcher. And uh, I'm just trying to get a hold of him for some clarification. But just the way it was presented to me and, and the, the person who did present it to me is is very worth right. So, uh, yeah, it makes you think. Um, you know, it's funny. This is something we thought about a lot, especially with the Chicago sightings, that it does seem that. Maybe certain people are, have the ability or able, or been given the privilege to look at these things, to see these things. Uh, and also the question they asked is, are some of these beings actually camouflaged or cloak somehow while they're on our Earth plane? Hard to tell. But apparently through that account, it seems to be a possibility that they are. Uh Vincent wants to know are the mantis beings in charge well <clears throat> you know when we go through a, a an abduction scenario for the most part uh in, in more recent years past two decades I would say there seems to be a uh, a uh, different type of group of people or beings involved with the abduction. And when I say people, there do seem to be humans involved sometimes, too. And there does seem to be a hierarchy. And at the top of the list is is usually an insectoid-type being. They seem to be the ones that are running the show. Uh, I do believe personally that from the information I've received over the years, that these insectoid beings are actually metamorphosized reptilians. They just look, they look mantis like, but I think when they reach that certain high status, as far as being in charge, they they metamorphosize into these beings. Uh, And, you know, we get more and more sightings of insectoid type beings, mostly the praying mantis or the praying mantis like head. But, uh, I don't know. I mean, it, you know, if that is that the truth? Is that what's going on? I don't know. But um, it does seem that the Mantis beings are the one running the show for the more, most part. So, um, yeah, that does seem to be the case. Now, another, uh, i got another report here, which was sent to me. It's interesting. Another interesting one. A couple are spending a late midnight or late night time romp on a a local, remote beach near Big Sur, California, when they notice splashing in the surf, and it's followed by a hairless, pale humanoid that stumbled onto the beach. Now, the witness states that back in 2012, my wife and I were living in Monterey, California. I was a DOI as a linguist, we had a little beach that we would often go to. It was right before officially entering Big Sur, and you would park in a little pull-off and walk a short hike on a game trail through some trees and bushes down the hill to the beach. Because it wasn't noticeable from the road or anything, it was almost always empty. The most crowded it ever was in all the two years we were there were maybe four people. Well, it was about a week or so before we had to move to my next base, so my uh, wife and I decided to make a late-night romantic trip to the beach. Now, prior to this, the latest we had ever gone to the beach was at sunset to watch the sunset over the ocean, but this time we decided to go all around, around midnight uh we get to the beach and have a little picnic then as we're just cuddling on the blanket relaxing, we notice something splashing in the water about 50 or so feet from the shore i thought it may have been a shark or maybe a small whale or dolphin i got excited and decided to go get a closer look um the thing the thing began swimming parallel to the shore still around 50 foot or so out and I followed it. Then I got to the point of the shore that for me it then it got to the point of the shore that for me it continued falling and I continued falling and I, I have to climb over a rock outcropping since it was around 1 a.m and in the dark and the rocks were somewhat wet I, I didn't risk it and just continued watching. The thing swam out to the beach on the other side of the rocks and came out of the water. Now, at this point, I thought maybe it was a seal or something, but then the thing stood up on its hind legs. It was probably between five and six foot tall and kind of shambled upon the shore. After a little bit, it turned and kind of stumbled into the bushes and trees that separated the beach from the road. Now, it could have been a person, but seems very unlikely. It was absolutely hairless and very pale. To the point it almost glowed in the dark. It faced me, and the moon lit it up enough that I think I would have noticed genitalia, because the thing wasn't wearing any clothing of any kind. There was nothing, no features whatsoever. This thing creeped me out, especially the way it moved. It seemed like walking on land wasn't something it was accustomed to. I ended up going back to the blanket and telling my wife, and we hurried back to the car and left. I wanted to go back the next day to check for tracks and any other clues, but due to the fact that we slept in and being busy packing and getting prepped for our move, by that time, we had some free time. It was already sunset, so I went the next day, but I couldn't find anything. So, uh, you know, I I don't think I remember any other of these crawler humanoids or pale humanoids. Seen walking out of the water, though I could be wrong. You know, if anybody's read the book, my book mean Humanoids," you'll know. Um, <clears throat> but I, uh, I, I don't remember. But they're they're seen in all kinds of different. situations and locations so uh, i mean this really doesn't surprise me uh, you know this whole phenomena still is kind of unknown uh there there are different theories I, I don't know what it is uh but um you know of course i, I think it might be in some cases a manifestation of my manifestation thought form. but you know there are situations where a person isn't even thinking anything close to what they see. And uh, that's where this whole phenomenon intrigues me uh, as to, are we seeing another, a nexus of another type of humanoid? Uh, I don't know. I mean, are they, are they interdimensional travelers? Like what I believe most cryptids are, are they ultra as well? Hard to tell. so, Or Richard, Richard, Vincent asked, uh, what are these crawlers cave beings thought for? I don't know. That's just it. I have no idea what they are. You know, if it's a cave being maybe at the location, there are some caves there at the edge of the water uh, or even in the water. Maybe it's got the ability to breathe underwater to some degree. Um, you know, the more and more I, I, hear these accounts, I think the more questions we really have, um, you know, there are some people who, um, who talk about them. Um, I, I be honest with you. I, I think there, I don't even know if there's any other books other than mine that have dealt with this subject, maybe cursory. There've been some mentions of it, but, uh, you know, it's, That's why I wrote it. I just don't know. You know, I'm trying to get ideas and get thoughts of what people think they are. So, we really don't know at this point. Now, here's another one I got a lot of response to. And, uh, you know, these fairy accounts, these fae accounts, really grab a lot of interest. Um, This one really did as well. You uh, know, involved where a woman and a grown daughter were actually sitting in their car in a parking lot when they noticed a five to six inch flying female fairy fluttering near them, and his facial expression was that of anger. So um, here's what the uh, the witness wrote to me in 2004 in Southeast Texas. My grown daughter and I were seated in the car at. In late summer, the heat was rather unbearable, so we were letting the car, the car's AC cool the interior down before we headed home from the market. Now, prior to this event, neither of us believed in fairies or pixies. We read about such things as folklore or or magical. But what I'm about to, but what, uh, but what was about to happen changed us forever. Uh. Here we were in the land of rattlesnakes and armadillos. We sat talking and my back was to the side window. And my daughter suddenly went very still and said, Mom, look behind you. Very slowly I turned and saw nothing, but suddenly I saw it too. It flew right at our right windscreen, windshield, a human looking creature, approximately five to six inches long. It had a gossamer-like wings that spanned probably six to seven inches wide, and its wings were beating quite rapidly like a hummingbird's. It was directly in front of my face. As I suddenly saw it, it poked its tiny face at me, craning towards the window. I was in shock. Think of the last time you saw a fairy painting. You probably are remembering a creature that was wearing some sort of garment that was revealing its rather lengthy legs and its buster chest. Yep, Tinkerbell's. Well, but hers was was nicer, actually. This little creature's clothing was an amber and wood-colored costume. And before you ask, neither of us were on drugs or alcohol. I'm saying this was a female creature due to her bus size, and she was obviously very upset. Her tiny face was scrunched up in a deep frown, and although we couldn't hear her in our closed-up car, she was very sincerely giving us a lecture. She was quite angry. Now, after she did this for several seconds, she looked over at my daughter, shook her head, and turned and flew away. Mom, did you see what I saw, my daughter asked, and I said, yes, I did. When we came out of our shock, we talked about the little creature. We still do, 17 years later. Everyone we have mentioned it to thinks we've lost our minds. And I might have thought it was the heat-induced delirium, but not for the fact that my daughter saw it, too. Now, after this encounter. We have both been seriously w- watching for another event, or even some- someone else who may have ever seen them in here in the America. So far, no luck. So I question: Are there others in the United States? <clears throat> now, I, I now live in West Virginia, and if you, if they were native to this country, why doesn't anyone else talk about them? And if they they aren't. Where do they originate from, and how might they have ended up here? Well, I guess it's just like everything else. People who see something like that, especially something that imitates a, a well known Disney character, I guess uh, they're not they're apt not to say a whole lot. But um, you know, I have heard you know there there have been for for over a century or more there have been these uh these fairy sightings that people so, so-called photograph fairy sightings in the in Great Britain and uh, in other places uh, i don't know i don't know what to think about it i'm not i'm not much read into fairies and little beings like that uh Timothy Renner and Joshua Cutchin are two guys I know that really have looked into this phenomena. Uh, So um, you might if you have any questions, you might want to ask them. Uh, I uh, if I get actually if I, I do get Tim on the show again, which I probably will in not too long. Not to in the near future, anyway, because uh, he does a lot of investigating. He's actually he's actually part of the investigation we're doing now here in Pennsylvania of a uh, a possible upright canine setting near Reading. So, um, if we can get that pinned down, talk about that. Maybe I'll get him on there and I ask him about the uh, the fairy phenomenon. And see what he says but joshua joshua has also been involved with that they've written several books together so you may want to check them out on amazon because they do a lot of very good research they're excellent researchers so the next account is where a teen and his family were deer hunting in the mountains of north central pennsylvania the witness was in a boggy area when he observed a man dressed as a 16th century conquistador. Now, time slip, I don't know, but this is this is an interesting one. Back in the early 1990s, during my early teens, my clan had headed into the north central mountains of Pennsylvania for our annual buck hunt. And most of us had never hunted this area, but my dad and his brother, my uncle, had hunted here many years before, but just one time. We had decided the night before opening day that we would hunt a remote area that required a hike of about two and a half miles back on an old logging road. Now, using topographical maps, everyone had decided where they would go once we reached the end of the trail now my uncle and his his son were headed up into a saddle slightly to the right and ahead of the trail uh and while my other uncle and his two sons are spread out below the ridge on the right my dad was headed to the left of the saddle and my younger brother was headed to the left of the trail into the shallow hollow i had chosen to head for a bog between my brother and dad uh when When I had chosen the area the night before, I noticed a glance between my dad and uncle, and I promised them that I would only skirt the edge. I knew better to wander into a northern bog, even a small bog like that would be very dangerous. Uh, We headed out after a hearty breakfast and hit the end of the logging road about a half an hour or so before dawn. As we wished each other luck and spill, Split up. My uh, dad looked at me and sternly, he looked at me sternly and said, "Be careful in there, boy." I assured him I would and headed for the bog. It was a dreary, misty morning with temperatures hovering just above freezing. The ground was wet, so moving through the forest was especially quiet. I figured I would angle in and hit the bog's edge at about midpoint, and then still hunt the edge until I hit the midpoint on the other side. On you know, the way in, as the woods slowly lit up with an overcast dawn, I slipped past a pair of squirrels, heard a woodpecker up the ridge, and had spotted a few chickadees. A blue jay spotted me, however, and sounded the alarm, which really upset me. But it was a typical morning in the woods. And as I approached the edge of the bog, nature called, or more accurately, the heavy breakfast called. Reluctantly but hurriedly, I, I dug a small hole at the base, this huge hemlock, dropped my drawers, and fertilized the tree. Now, as I was squatted there, I realized that something had changed. Not only had the blue jay disappeared, but it seemed like everything else had too. There wasn't a sound anywhere, and I had the unshakable feeling that I was being watched. In my rather exposed and vulnerable condition, I tried to make myself smaller while at the same time scanning the woods around me and strained to hear the slightest rust or uh, twig snap. I fully expected to see one of two things, either deer standing behind me or my brother or dad slipping between the trees trying to pull a practical joke on me. There was no one to be seen or heard, nothing. My focus had been behind me and to either side, not ahead into the bog so no one in my their right mind would be there but as I shifted my position slightly I noticed straight into the desolate looking bog there next to a dead fall approximately 30 to 35 yards out in the bog and staring right at me was what appeared to be the torso and the head of a man the rest was hidden behind a bush and down trees between him and a Between him and I. That alone would have been weird enough. What really shook me was his garb. He had a metal breastplate and what looked like a 16th century conquistador helmet on his head. Now my first thought was, okay, you're hallucinating. Your eyes are playing tricks on you. I shifted position again, quickly finished my business, filled the hole, and stepped behind the tree. The whole time, that being watched feeling never left, but I avoid looking back into the bog. As I settled myself down, I began to work my way along the bog's edge, but slightly faster than I normally still hunt. The woods remained eerily still, and that feeling just wouldn't go away. So after I had gone about 30 yards, I ventured another look into the bog. As I scanned through it, I slowly looked back towards where I had been. I had thought I'd seen the uh, man, and easily picked out the deadfall. And sure enough, there, slightly to the left of it, was the conquistador again. But he had shifted and was still staring right at me. This time, I had the presence of mind to use my rifle scope to get a better look. When the optics rested on where he should have been, there was nothing but a small dead bush back at the end of the deadfall. When I lowered the scope, there he was, and the bush was obscured. The hair on the back of my neck stood up and my hands went clammy on me. I freaked. I made a beeline for the far edge of the bog. There, just off the edge, was a small rise, which I crested. It gave me a good view into the the dead standing and fallen trees that littered the bog. I shifted around until I could pick out the deadfall again. There beside it was the man, and now I could see that he was holding something long in his hand, but I couldn't make out the details. He was still staring directly at me, having shifted yet again. At that moment, a small break in the clouds allowed the sun to shine through for a brief moment, and as it hit the area of the deadfall, it glinted brightly off his metal breastplate and helmet. And then it was gone. It just vanished. The clouds closed up again, but he was nowhere to be seen. Now, I left the bog and headed up the mountain to find my dad. Now, he wasn't happy with me showing up so early, but when I told him what had happened, he stared me in the eyes for a few seconds and said, Bogs can be strange places, boy. He never we, he never mentioned it again, but I have no doubt the reason he and my uncle had come back here hadn't come back here in so long was because of that bog now i retold the story to the rest of the group later that night at the old hotel where we were staying no one laughed the next day and for the rest of the trip we hunted a different area we never went back there again i uh i have tried to find out the location exact location where this occurred and i'm just not getting anything i don't know if He's just not answering, or, or he, you know what the deal is. But uh, pretty interesting, and quite frankly, it, it doesn't surprise me. I get I get a few of these um, these time slip uh, stories, uh, and uh, it's interesting. Um, I, I I believe that there there is uh, there are time slips. I think it does happen. Uh, Vincent wants to know, why do some spirits be stuck in an area for a long time? Well, I don't know if this was a spirit. It doesn't seem to me it would have been. I mean, I know have no idea of any conquistadors being in north-central Pennsylvania at any time period. You know, either Portugal or, or Spanish. So, um, I don't know. Maybe it just uh, showed up there for some reason. Through a time slip, or you know, something to that effect. Um, but it's an interesting account. So anyway, let's go to the. I think this is the last one. In uh, in May 2015, I received a telephone message from a woman in Muncie, Indiana. She and a companion had witnessed a frightening and unexplained lizard-like humanoid while touring a cavern in Harrison Ca- County, Indiana. Now, I conducted two interviews with the witness, who I will refer to as Gigi, and have listed the events described to me. Now, Gigi is the Dominican national, and her English is fair. So it was a bit of a challenge obtaining the information. So what I'll do is I'll just list what she told me. And, uh, you know, you make up your own mind what you think was going on. Now, this occurred on Tuesday, August 26, 2014 at 2.30 p.m. during a tour at the Squire Boone Caverns in southern Indiana. The witness and her friend were with a group from Muncie, Indiana. The cavern tour was part of the itinerary after spending the previous day shopping and touring in Louisville, Kentucky. The tour had reached an area with a s- small underground waterfalls. There were a few flat rocks on the right side of the waterfalls, including a few overhangs. Gigi noticed that what appeared to be bright yellow eye shining from under one of the overhangs. She immediately got chills all over. Her friend asked what she was looking at, so she pointed toward the rocks. She saw the same eye look back at her. They stood there for about five minutes watching the eyes appear and disappear. They were about 30 foot from the rock. There was movement as well, but very hard to see because the lighting was dim. So when the tour started to move on, Gigi looked back in the direction of the eye and saw something exit from under the overhang. She briefly stopped and watched. It crawled out onto the open rock surface that stood and then stood up on its back legs. Almost immediately, it scurried away into another crevice in the rock. It looked like a lizard of some kind. It had a short tail and was dark in color. The arms and legs were long, almost human-like. Gigi thinks it was about a foot and a half in height. She quickly rejoined the group but continued to watch behind her. Her friend did not see the lizard, but Gigi described it to her at they returned to the bus. Uh, (laughs) The friend gave her a Valium to help calm her down. Gigi was shaking badly, and others on the bus were noticing her. She did not mention what she saw to the other people in the group. Now, the next day, Gigi felt very ill. Now, it may have been from the pill, but she thinks something happened to her physically and mentally because of what she saw. Gigi doesn't think she was supposed to see the lizard being. Now, she, after I talked to her and such, she eventually allowed me to post her experience and details. Uh, though, of course, the personal information wasn't disclosed. She was curious if others may have seen something similar, and if they did, what was the result? Now, could this be an underground population of Saurian humanoids, aliens on Earth? You know, I always go back to what David Eckhart described to me over the years, and um, maybe this is some type of non-terrestrial, I don't know. But uh, it's an interesting account. So um, before we go, if you've got questions, put them up there and let me know what you have, and uh, I can answer anything you want. It doesn't have to necessarily be what we talked about but uh, or what I described. Uh, have ripped, uh, Vincent, have reptilians shared the planet with us since the beginning of civilization? Are they native to Earth? I, I guess they could be. You know, there's no real evidence of that. You know, I, I again, I go back to what David has told us. They do seem there, does seem to be some groups, inhabitants of uh, these reptilian type beings uh, in underground caverns. And uh, some people, including David, have been taken there. Uh, I have had a couple. Of other witnesses state similar instances, but there's no real proof as to why they're there and why they continue to live there. Um, But um, you know, when we get accounts like this of you know being in, let's say, a cavern or in an area that's got caves and such, and people see these type of things, you got you gotta wonder if there if there's a population somewhere in an underground. So, um uh, yeah, Jeff Adams asked It said it's the frogman sightings in Loveland near Cincinnati. yeah, that's the uh, little Miami River. and actually, people still see these things there. So um, that whole frogman Loveland frogman phenomena is pretty interesting. Uh, I've gotten a few reports over the years, and quite frankly, we've had some Mothman reports around there as well. How many books about Reptile? Oh, there are a few out there. Uh, I probably have enough to write a book, but I haven't got to that point. Uh, maybe one day I will. So, okay, there are no other questions. Uh, I just want to say, uh, if you have an unexplained encounter sighting, You know, feel free to contact me through the Phantoms and Monsters blog site. And uh, thanks to each and all of you for watching and chatting. If you make a donation, it's truly appreciated. Uh, Your support is what makes this all possible. Please like and please subscribe. And uh, you have friends, bring them over, share the content, ask them to subscribe to the channel. The more we get, the faster we get to 10,000 to where we can do a lot of different things here. And uh, we are planning on setting up merchandise and people who do become members of the the website will receive very deeply discounted merchandise when it it becomes available. We're working on it now. We're uh, actually been talking. We were talking about it last night and uh, we're looking to offer some unique stuff as well as other material like, you know, shirts, mugs and the whole thing. But uh, we're trying to uh, we're trying to make it uh, conducive to uh, satisfy our uh, our members. So um, uh, and it, look, if you have a site in your encounter report that you'd like to be considered for personal reports show and post on fans of monsters, you know, either forward to my email at lawnstrikerfamsandmonsters Now let me remind you this coming Friday, this Friday. I welcome researcher, producer, and author Daniel Allen Jones to the show. His book, Aurora, 125 Years of UFOs, Aliens, and a Texas legend from 1897 examines the 125-year-old alien encounter and UFO mystery from Aurora, Texas. Uh, It's a crazy story. I, um, I've. I have seen some presentations of this phenomena, but I'll be interested to see what Daniel says about it. Uh, he also discussed other investigations, including this uh, giant salamander investigation that Ken Gerhardt had mentioned he was involved with. So, um, you know, make sure to join us this Friday night. So uh, uh, until the next time we meet, stay healthy, have a safe and enjoyable week. Good night.